Can I um, just really quick do an intro in case you want to use it? Yeah, absolutely, please. Well, I put two candies in my mouth. Great. So that's we, we aim for maximum candy coverage here at Unleash Your Inner Creative. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Take it away, Jaunt. Are you a creative? <laughs> that's a rhetorical question. Because of course you are. You are creative. And if you don't start believing it, I'm going to whop you. I'm going to smack you over the head. It's going to hurt big time. There might even be a bruise. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Beast with Lauren Legrasso. So that was my best friend, John Manganello. As you know, he loves doing the intro. Actually, the intro that no longer exists on the right, podcast. Right. But if you go back to former episodes, you will hear a version of that that has nothing to do with physical violence. I got to tell you, uh, <laughs> though I though I like the new intro better, I think it's more succinct, succinct to the point. I, the first time I heard it, I threw my I was driving my car and I threw myself out of the vehicle because you were so upset that it was no longer the intro you knew and loved. Yeah, of course. Oh God, so tough. Remember when that was the hardest part of life was hearing an intro that was different from what you expected? Yeah, oh God. Those were the days. Those truly were the days. Well, today we'd like to take you back to some days that were also simpler. We're going to be talking all about some of the fun, creative things we did in high school, what going to theater school was really like, some of the weird moments we had to have to get our degrees, including going to the zoo and basically imitating animals in class. And some of the times in our lives where we first really became ourselves. And through this conversation, I want to encourage you to look at these times in your own life, the times when you first became yourself, and really explore. <laughs> no, I think take, Go ahead. take times where you've, you know, became yourself or been proud of yourself and try to make more of those times, right? Like, Yeah, now. Use it as like a guide to how you can do it now. Thank you, Jaunt. Sorry, I wasn't supposed to pipe in. Uh, I love your pipes. Guys, you're going to hear me in a minute. It's going to be really good. Oh, God, the things yeah. I said. Go, uh, honestly, people would pay Golden. me. People do pay me to say those things. <laughs> but not me. No, not Lauren. She treats me like crap. But welcome to the <laughs> podcast. Oh, gosh. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren Legasso. Gorgeous. <laughs> it's gorgeous. Don't laugh at me. <laughs> and, you know, let me give Johnny a better intro. For those of you that don't know, you should listen to the past episodes that we've done together. We did one about how to make your hobby into a job and then one about rejection, which was in November. Johnny is my best friend from the time I was 16 years old. He is an incredible cake artist. He designs these gorgeous cakes. He's an actor, a writer, a producer. He does it all, and he does it all with a smile. <laughs> is it the time when I said the thing about smiling? Yeah, go for it. It takes more muscles to frown <laughs> than it does to smile. Thank you, John. Do you think that's true? I mean, I'm sure we could quickly Google it and find out. Maybe. Smile. Right, right, right. I got everyone at home smile right now, like a big grin. Okay, doing it. Taking up it. a lot of muscles, especially in my cheek bony area. Especially yeah. if you're trying hard. Like if you're giving a half ass smile, it probably doesn't take that much. But to try hard to smile, it takes a lot. It hurts right. the jaw after a while. Now everyone frown. 
Mm-mm, that's easier. <laughs> that I, was easier for me. I was very I found little. frowning difficult. I do I, – I feel like I walk around with a smile a lot of the time, so that's maybe more my natural state. But frowning – it's just like a, a less normal thing, but I will say like a traditional frown as in like your mouth is turned completely down. If you're doing like a half frown or a sigh, that would certainly be easier than a smile. So I think it depends on your frown technique if we're going to yes. be fair about it. Yes. Everybody frowns differently. Yeah. Isn't that the that's, meaning of life? That's what's so beautiful. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So welcome to Unleash Your Inner Beast. I'm so happy to be back. <laughs> no, really. Uh, don't, okay, don't laugh at me. I'm so happy to be back, even though I'm not physically near you. I know. I miss you. I it's, know. It's so, I miss you so much. What should we do when we can see each other? Play. <laughs> play. I mean, I don't know what else to say. When you and I are together, we really do just play. And I think... And that's what we want to talk about are some of the funny, fun things we did in high school. We touched on that in the first episode you did, but we always have just been kids together. Mm. I just love being around you because I know whether we're going to have a fun conversation or we're going to talk about something deep, I can fully, fully be myself. And to me, that's play. Oh, yeah. So oh, I want to yeah. I want to play with you when I see you. All right. We'll tickle each other. <laughs> Perfect. But John, you know, something I was thinking too Hmm. was how I used to just love, and you were really the only person who would let me do this without, well, sometimes you, let me just back up. Yeah, back up. You're getting way, (laughs) way, way ahead. I'm way ahead. No one could follow what I was just saying. So I loved that you would let me take over your AIM and your Facebook. Oh, I didn't have much of a choice, but yeah, of course, I'm all for, I'm all for the, no, you know what? Here's what I say. Like, if you're so worried about like what, what your friend is going to do on your AIM or Facebook, then you got the wrong friend. You know what I mean? Well, you know, the things I did, they were really harmless, but nobody knew what the F I was talking about, including me. I mean, it was just always just purely fun. And you would do it to me too. So basically what would happen was Johnny would log into Facebook. And honestly, believe me, like some people like to take over other people's Facebooks or like Instagram accounts when they're not there. To me, there's nothing more fun than writing something completely off the wall on someone's Facebook or like Instagram or back in the day AIM page or profile with them sitting right next to you watching it all happen. Lo, I, I get the You know, on like on Facebook, how you can like see memories of, from like 12 years ago, which by yeah. the way, you have to be a maniac to want to see that. But okay, I guess that's oh, so much collagen. On. We didn't even appreciate it. Oh, so much collagen. So I can go back and see these posts that you made on my account. And they're so over the top ridiculous. And sometimes people like took them seriously, which would put me in a really awkward position because like people would respond like genuinely to these insane posts being like, Hey, does anyone know where I can find a live Banshee? And someone would be like, why don't you give the Detroit Is that something I actually wrote? That's just an example. But the point being, but then they say like, why don't you give the Detroit Zoo a call? And I'm like, well, now I feel bad. So I like commented being like, um, okay, thanks for the uh, idea. We'll try. Hot tip. 
Yeah, so John John would like let me well, basically I did a hostile takeover of his Facebook and I would log in and just write the weirdest thing I could think of. I would literally sit there and any weird thought or word that would come to my mind, I would write down. And it was just such a joy to do it and then watch how other people reacted and watch how he reacted to it. Now, what I will say <laughs> is sometimes you would get really disturbed by what I was writing. Right. Not that it was anything disturbing, but like he'd be like, sorry, that was my friend Lo. And that's what it, it honestly broke my heart because I felt like you were disowning me and disowning like our collective weirdness in but a way when you would do it. I, do, I, I have to push back on that because there, <laughs> okay. were times, there were times where I didn't want to trick people and I had to explain that like, oh, I've been hijacked. But was it trickery or was it just being goofy and letting my inner creative roam free well i think as you i right, as, right. <laughs> but i think it can be both though don't you like don't you think it can both be like a fun self-expression and maybe like hurt hurt somebody well like how did it hurt people <laughs> well like <laughs> well, like when we texted that guy or message that guy being like, hey, do you got a lot of cash? Okay. So by the way, okay, let's backtrack. Let's forward track now. Okay. So I started the whole like thing of taking over Johnny's Facebook, but then I would let him do it to me too, because reciprocity is very important in any relationship. And so Johnny one night took over <laughs> my <laughs> Facebook and... Johnny reached out to this person that we both knew from high school and was just saying like funny, weird things to her. So when when we would do this, we would say anything. Like, for example, anything that came to the mind. I found a potato outside today and I don't know what to do with it. Something like that. So Johnny was saying the first thing that came to his mind. And the first thing that came to his mind was <laughs> when this when this person reached out and said, how are you? He wrote back, great. Just got a lot of cash. Just collected course, a, a lot of cash. Okay. A large sum of cash, which of course wasn't true. I was a 19-year-old college student. I had no money to my name. But then it was so sad because this person wrote back, and this is under my profile, oh, I'm happy for you. I actually just lost my job. Mm -hmm. And so that's when it did get taken too far. But I do think, like, I think that's a really good example, Lauren, of like times where sometimes people are being silly or goofy or expressing their, you know, weirdness. And it's not about that person. It is about the person who is is the consumer of that, right? Like the, the listener mm -hmm. or the person who's on the other side of that conversation, who I think sometimes can inadvertently become like, the butt of the joke or at least think they're the butt of the joke when in fact i know your intentions i know my intentions that's not the intention does that make sense yeah i think that's something that you and i have struggled with a few times in the course of our friendship is like because you and i kind of have this weird shorthand and way of talking with each other and to each other mm. people think that we're leaving them out when really we're kind of just on our own planet. Yeah. And I think, by the way, like most friend groups do have that, right? Like you go to, I don't know, a cafeteria and you see you a college cafeteria. I don't know why this is the example I thought of, but you can look across the room and you can see two people talking and you can tell if they're friends or if they're like strangers who are just like asking each other to pass the salt. Mm. 
I think most people have that innately. And I do think it sometimes leaves people out. Like I actually feel this way with multiple groups of friends. Like sometimes I'll be, that's why like when you have a birthday or something and you're like balancing different groups of friends or people, you know, from work and people, you know, from high school and people, you know, from college. Sometimes I get really stressed out about that, not because I don't think they're all wonderful people and are going to get along. It's just I have different relationships with each of them. So I need to introduce them each to that common language. Does that make sense? Totally. I think another thing about you, though, that's specific to you is you're very accommodating as a person and you don't like it when you see somebody struggling or feeling uncomfortable. So you make a real effort whenever you have a group of people. If you see one person who feels like they're out of place, you bring them in, which is a really beautiful part of you. It's true. Maybe that's why we're friends. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. I mean, that was just one thing we did that we had so much fun with. The interesting thing about you too, though, is in high school. <laughs> do you remember when we did those prank phone calls? Yeah, of course. Do you remember I, the one to one eight hundred flowers? I do, I do. See, that is one I feel bad about. I know. By the way, I think pranks are a totally different beast. So I, I I'm concerned. I just want to pause here to say I think being silly and zany and goofy on Facebook is a totally different thing than pranks, right? Because oftentimes pranks are intended to fool the other person, right? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, we won't talk about that then. No, let's talk about it. I love pranks, but I think pranks need to be done with, with a gentle hand. I don't think I really do pranks. Can I tell a fun prank story? Yeah, tell a prank. All right. We grew up in a town called Gross Point and there was this shopping area in the center of town called The Village. And so The Village was like a three block stretch of stores. It was like our downtown area. And in the middle, like in the middle block, there was this like big fountain structure right outside of the ice cream shop. And it took up like a large portion. It was like on the corner. So it took up a large portion. It was this giant, like there were like many different fountains all all around. It's kind of hard to describe now that I'm thinking about it. The fountain? Yeah, don't you think so? Because they were like these walls. They were like a series yeah, of walls. Yeah, they, they weren't like normal looking there. fountains. It was almost like a wall with a waterfall. Exactly, yes. And there were like several of those walls. And you can sit on benches around them. It was like a mini little, like almost like a tiny little park. So anyway, what my friends decided or, or figured out was that if you took dish soap and sprayed them into the grates at the bottom of the water, where the waterfalls, water drained out on the ground, the soap would like really suds up, like to a point where if you came back in a couple hours, the waterfall turned into a cascade of like soap and suds. And we're talking really high, like taller than humans. It was crazy. So we did that a couple times. And so, okay, one time we did it and we came back the next morning and, and the fountains were bubbling over with soap and like it was ridiculous it's everybody was like talking about it and it stopped traffic and all this stuff it was the word of the town right and so there's a police officer there and my friend and i who the night before did it by the way we were like pretty young we were in like you were like what 14 yeah yeah because i I remember seeing the fountain suds up before i knew you so i saw your handiwork before you and i were even friends yeah 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 and and to be clear like this was totally harmless in that like it didn't break the fountains. Like it was, it was fine. Like this happened a lot. I think people did it even before we did. I think we got it, the idea from someone else. Anyway, so we come back the next morning and it's bubbling over. I mean, like taller than us, crazy suds. 
and there's a police officer there and my friend and I go up to him or her, excuse me, her. How sexist. I just assumed a police officer was a man. No, it was a her. Even though you had the story. Right. Exactly. So I went up to her and I was like, whoa, what happened? Thinking she was going to be like, ah, some asshole kids. She goes, oh, it's just a, you know, regular cleaning that we do here in the city. I'm like, so what, oh, do you think she okay. said that so as not to cause alarm with the residents that I mean, there was I, I can, I can remember a soap her, vandalist? I can remember her saying it with like s- such confidence and no sign of like her acting. I really do think she thought that. And we like pulled the wool over her. I, no, her whole person. <laughs> no, her, we pulled the whole wool over her whole body. That was a fun little thing. I mean, I just remember... In high school, you were always looking for something to do. Uh, yes, I I was. You in particular, bored. like you were bored all the time. All the time bored. Well, we're kind of in like that high school mode now. So like what else did you do to keep yourself occupied during those years? You know, like I was always trying to like put together like little games or like parties or have people over. You know, I was really bored and I didn't drink. And so yep. there was nothing to do. <laughs> I was like a bored loser. You are not. You're the most dynamic person I've ever met. That's so sweet, though. Um, what, what do you What do you remember? Like, what What did you do in high school to pass the time? I mean, I just laughed a lot. I feel like I spent all my time either like at rehearsals and mm. doing plays in choir, working hard on my homework, or just laughing with you, Colleen and Paul. Like, yeah. I just I feel like we laughed all the time we just had fun being ourselves yeah and also just like hang actually i'm kind of feeling this way now in quarantine not that i'm near people i can't be near people but even over the phone like it was nice sometimes just to take some time to like hang out you know with no i mean i did get bored that's true but some of my fondest memories are like having a bonfire and like sitting around and talking with my friends till late at night Yeah, I just remember sitting in your kitchen and just having so much fun sitting around that table or like being at your computer in the little computer room or being at my house and my mom offering us all popsicles. Like those, I think that that's what this part of life is bringing us back to is remembering those sweet moments of life that we've gotten too busy. Like, oh, totally. I just, I haven't been able to keep up with the pace recently. And, this has been like a resetting in a lot of ways, I think. I have this thought that maybe I started feeling in my like mid-20s, which is I spent so much time being when I was young wishing for adulthood and wishing for what comes next and moving out to LA or New York and starting a career or whatever. And it is cool to do that. It's cool to be like far away and like on a, in a new place and doing things that I always dreamed of doing. Um, But what I didn't really realize is like the dream already existed. Like I was born into, I won some genetic lottery that allowed me to, to be a part of a family that like cared about each other and to, you know, grow up in a place where I had like like-minded friends. I mean, not everybody gets to have that. Right. And like some people look back on high school and they're like, that was the worst time of my life. And, and that's, that's just not the case for me. Um, and I yeah. feel really grateful for that. Yeah. It was, 
I mean, there were definitely hard parts, but it was one of my favorite times of life. Yeah. I think it's when I really got to discover who I was and what I was made of. And I made my first tough decisions and, you know, quit the choir, which sounds like such a silly thing. But when you know how intense our choir was, it truly was like a cult. And it was like, if you left, you were nothing. And I quit because the way that our leader was running things wasn't right. And I look back and that was such a pivotal moment for me to be able to stand in my truth and say, I'm not going to tolerate abusive behavior. And yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, there. And just like really discovering who I was and having fun and like even being homecoming queen was such a big thing because I had made this conscious choice when I was in eighth grade to go sit at the, like I used to be in the popular group group. And I remember making this choice when I was in eighth grade and I decided to go sit at a table of girls that I felt comfortable with because I never felt comfortable at that other popular quote unquote lunch table. Mm -hmm. And I got called on it by one of the girls who was at the popular table and they said, Lauren, why do you sit with those people? And I said, well, because, you know, I've sat with you guys for the past few years and I really love these girls I'm sitting with now. And you don't talk to a lot of other people, so you're missing out on a lot of good people. And I want to expand my horizons and get to know as many people as I can, so I'm going to sit over here. Damn. And I felt like, you know, that happened in I'm eighth gonna grade. I'm going to need names after this. <laughs> I'll, I'll hook you up with some. Right. That happened in eighth grade, and obviously the homecoming queen thing happened in twelfth grade, but I felt like that was confirmation that Four years prior, I had made the right decision to honor myself and be with people who made me feel more like me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, 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 I fucked up a lot in high school, but like there are these moments where I'm like, wow, that was the first time I like stood my ground. And I bet most people have those experiences, right? Like the first time yeah. they stood up for themselves. It probably for, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't mean to assume here, but I feel like a lot of people have that moment in high school because it's the first time they're, they're like an adult. What was it for you? Mm, there was a kid being bu- like bullied by a teacher, by the choir teacher you were talking mm-hmm. about, and sort of called out. I mean, just ridiculed in front of the entire cast of the show we were doing. <laughs> um, this kid was really sweet, but didn't necessarily like defend himself always. Um, well, he was terrified because that was honestly... When I look back on it, I'm so deeply horrified by what we all were subjected to. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he was probably he was he was a, like an abused person, I'm sure. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad. Right. Yeah. Like this stuff would not. Let's just say a lot of what we dealt with would not fly in like. Well, she was later fired mm-hmm. for hitting someone's car to quote unquote teach them a lesson. No, so just to give she, you context. She actually didn't get fired for that, unfortunately. Oh, she got fired. Well, what did she get fired for? For it's even worse. For hitting us uh, taking a kid's cell phone and, and throwing at their head. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it, it was that <laughs> and especially now, I mean I know like I graduated high school in two thousand nine. It wasn't like an eternity ago, but like things have changed and these these abuses like we don't allow so much anymore not to say that they're not happening of course they are i just mean like i know in gross point michigan this would be this would have it did it eventually did bubble to the surface right yep anyway so so this but kid you stood is, up for this kid this kid's being berated and i like went off and lauren like i lost my fucking shit and like was this when you were a senior or junior i was or? a junior okay 
So I had like a whole another year with her after this was over, but I really lost my mind. I mean, lost it. And, and I think rightfully so, like I screamed at her for, for being so horrible to this guy and for humiliating him and for not, not being a teacher, right. Being a someone who bullies the students and humiliates them thinking that's Mm going to yield good results. And she was like, ha ha ha. She huffed off and went away. Well, then at like dinner break that night, there were two choir, we call them choir moms, these moms who like spend all day like backstage, like making costumes and stuff. And a lot of them were really lovely women. Um, some of them were, were not. And I mean, and it is worth saying, I mean, as with many abusive institutions, the product that was created was spectacular. I mean, a lot of it was high, high level, almost nearly Broadway level productions that were being put on. And these mothers put their blood, sweat, and tears into the creation of these costumes. And the kids were rehearsing like six hours a day. It was intense. But go on. So you were backstage rehearsing. The choir moms were back there. Yeah. And I I overheard them. They didn't know I was backstage. Actually, one of these moms I really like, but this was a bad day. (laughs) So, So the two moms were like gossiping about what had just happened. You know, it was a big deal. It stopped the rehearsal basically, right? Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, you know, they're gossiping about me and, and talking about how I, I think they said something about how I was like trying to like be the hero, you know, like <laughs> like I was humiliating our teacher, in, you know, by, by standing up for this kid. But like, really, I didn't care about the kid. I just cared about like looking, you know, like I was, you know, the leader or whatever. And I... I, they didn't. They didn't know I was behind them, right? And I, mm-hmm. I walked right up to them. I said, "Hi, excuse me, Mrs. So and So and Mrs. So and So. I won't say their names. Um, if you're going to talk shit about me, and I'm, you know, in the next room, or I don't know, in the same room as you, just go ahead and say it to my face." And I walked away. And did they ever come apologize? So what happened is. I forget. I think they did. I think they I think they said like we're really sorry. What happened was our teacher and them had a conversation after this. They went up to the teacher and they said you should you should say you're like sorry to John. And she did, which was an <gasps> odd moment. She did have moments of humanity, like glimmers of being lucid. Isn't that weird recognizing though? Like, yeah. so that was my moment where I remember being like, wow, like I, I'm an adult. I can stand in my own like skin and, and, and also like stand up for somebody else. It was, it was this very empowering moment. I want to just encourage you who are listening right now to look back. Maybe it's high school, maybe it's middle school, maybe it was college or some other part of your youth or adulthood, but look back at what that defining moment was for you. What was the first moment you stood up for yourself in a big way that took risk, that took courage, that took vulnerability? Because these are the things that we can look back to when we're feeling like we're in points of weakness or we're questioning ourselves or needing to have the courage to make an even bigger decision now as we're adults. Look back to those moments. Stupid shit. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, of of course, Johnny. But like, but this is an inspirational moment, and I don't think it's something we should just glaze over. Look back to the times when you showed yourself and others who you were, and use that as the courage you need to propel yourself for those moments in your life that are bigger now than maybe the first time. I in college had a uh, who was it? It was like a professor, maybe who. 
it was like a, I think a creative writing class that I did in in like the summer away from college in the woods, weirdly. Um, and the instructor asked us once, like, uh, to write about the last time we were really proud of ourselves. And it was this weird moment because I, and not like proud, like, oh, you cooked yourself breakfast today. Proud of something like a big milestone accomplishment, which is a really interesting like writing prompt, I think, because it forces you to go, oh, okay, like take all, take away the small victories, which are totally valid and, and good. But take those out of the equation. What big things have you done, right? Like you start a business or you create a work of art or you, you know, I don't know, whatever, whatever it is that you are proud of yourself for. And I actually, unfortunately, have fewer times in my life than I would like where I can be like, where I can point to and be like, I was really proud of myself there. What is a recent one for you? I'm proud of like the cake stuff I've been doing. I put a lot of my like blood, sweat and tears into that. And so, yeah, that's been like a big one. I was proud of myself. And you've genuinely built something from nothing. And that that feels good. Yeah. I'm proud of the the show we do each month. I think that is like substantial. You know, it's not just like your, your sketch. It's like a sketch comedy show that you do each month mm-hmm. when life is not like it is right now right. at a local bar. And it's a character show. Yeah. Called Guess Whom. Which I, you should all follow it on Instagram at Guess Whom. I feel this way anytime I create. Really? I mean, don't you? Oh, yeah. When you take the initiative and put your mind to something and then you actually create a product and you put it out into the world and share it with people, there's no pride like that. No matter the outcome, the fact that you took something that was in your brain and made it a reality is the biggest pride in the world. You know, I'm sure it's like a very small portion of what parents feel like when they have a child. It's like, taking a piece of yourself and like wrapping it up and pushing it out into the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it is. No, I mean, like, I don't know what it's like to have a child, but I do agree that like you give little I, mini I think births. That, yeah, mini births. Every time you Mini births. It's probably less physically painful. Somewhat physically painful though. <laughs> yes, depending on what kind of work you're doing. Yes. Let me tell you, I was proud of myself for assembling an Ikea dresser and that hurt. Okay. Oh my gosh. No, that is pride. I was not able to put together my desk. Me and uh, my ex-boyfriend, we tried for like two hours to put together my desk. And eventually we ended up having to call in his roommate. This was like a year ago to put it together because we just couldn't figure it out. And that's when I realized like if the world really did go to shit and we had to recreate everything from scratch... I could not be a builder. Mm. I would, unless someone was telling me exactly what to do. And even then it might not work out for me. I would have to be, I don't know. Like what would my contribution be? (laughs) No, you would find, you would find, you would find yourself. I think. I'm sure I would. I'm sure. Well, I'm really good at like surviving. So I think I could help people survive and come up with like creative ways to string along the resources we did have. But as far as actually building things, like if I had to build a shelter, I have no ability to engage with anything that requires spatial awareness. Mm. Yeah. So do you do? That's good. So I guess I could go to you if we need yeah, to give build me a something. call. <laughs> give you a call and a hammer and <laughs> we'll figure it out. But I wanted to also talk about, because you and I have both been acting since we were kids. 
And I wanted to talk about some of the most horrific auditions you've ever gone on. So I, I gave you some time to think about this. Do you have any funny stories of awkward auditions you've been on in your life? I have like a few from weirdly my first few months in LA. I think probably I'm more like, first of all, I'm probably like going out for a little bit more legit stuff now. <laughs> but like when you were, when you well, first when, get here, you just take anything you can get. And let's talk about it. So when you first get to LA, the, the thing that they tell you to do is get on Actors Access. So you get on Actors Access, you get on LA Casting. And I don't know about you, Johnny, but I was submitting to anything that was remotely in my sphere. Mm. It, you can actually go check my Instagram page. I have an email of a time I reached out to someone. I don't know what exactly the project was, but I reached out to someone and said, hello. <laughs> I don't even know how I found this email. Hello. My name is Lauren Lagrasso. I would like to be considered for the role of prostitute. Thank you for your consideration, <laughs> Lauren. I love so, that. I, mean, I want to be yeah, prostitute. Y- Listen, just the one prostitute. It's Roll singular. Prostitute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you're basically trying to get anything you possibly can to just do what you want to do, what you've been studying these past four years. So you're going on a lot of weird auditions. There were times when I went on auditions when I would think to myself, am I being punked right now? Mm. Is this a reality show and no one told me? Like, am I in the yes. treatment show? Yes, I feel am that Am I going to get lot. murdered Girl. or am I going to get a part? I feel that way still because it's this very vulnerable thing, especially like when you have to be emotional or like, you know, serious in an audition. Sometimes I'm like, I hope no one like comes in right now and is like, haha, you believed us that we wanted to see you <laughs> do that in a room full of strangers. You ever feel that way? Oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, even because commercial auditions can be weird. And unfortunately, I didn't get to go on many of those because those are what really pay. But I did go on one for Burger King. And I remember they made us pretend to eat a piece of paper. Have you Mm. ever had to do that? Um, Can't say I have pretended to eat a piece of paper. (laughs) But we had to pretend like it was a burger. I'm like, how am I supposed to pretend? Like, I'm not good enough. for this. I'm not good enough to pretend this little piece of paper. Okay. So what did you have to do for that? So it was a terrible audit. It's funny. And and this is truly the case for these things. Like I find that sometimes the worst auditions get the best results, get me a callback or yeah, truly. I mean, like there are times, so this Buffalo Wild Wings audition, they were bringing in people in groups of four, which is so like crazy. It's just like cattle call. Right. But right, and four in, people for the same part, correct? Well, th- no. Actually, this one was like a group of friends, I think. So we're eating. We had to eat like fake buffalo wings. But the problem was they had like <laughs> they had like fake buffalo wings like made out of plastic. But everybody was – there was, you know, 100 actors there. So everybody's like taking fake bites of this. And I realized oh, like – get out of town. Through, well, this hey, is like a nightmare to hear right now with everything going on. I know, like it's right? actually, I'm sweating right now hearing this story. So I'm like kind of eating them. And then I realized at the end of the audition that like I touched it to my mouth because I wasn't <gasps> thinking. Like, I don't know. I wasn't thinking. And so I left and was like, oh my God, I got to go brush my teeth. It was in Santa Monica. Do you know that place in Santa Monica next to the whole Yes. Okay. Yes. It was there. So it was a mess. Whatever. But I I got the commercial, <laughs> and I was like, well, maybe that was worth that. Was that a SAG commercial? No, no, non-union. Okay. But one time I tweeted like, "Me at seventeen, gosh, I hope I win an Oscar someday." 
me at 27. Gosh, I hope I booked this non-union Buffalo Wild Wings <laughs> commercial. No, I did book it and we filmed it and I thought, oh, well, this is great. So like now I'll actually get to eat it. So we're like filming and I like go to eat the food that's in front of us. First of all, it's rock solid and cold. It's fake food. No, it's real food, but it's cold. Oh. And they're like, yeah, you can't eat that. And I was like, <gasps> well, what do you mean? They're like, we actually don't want you eating it. We want you like, you know, kind of like admiring it and then cheering on the football game you're watching. I was like, oh, fuck that. And then they cut the commercial. How do you admire it, a buffalo wing without well, eating let it? Let me tell you. The best I, way to <laughs> admire it is to eat it. My my first screen name on AIM was Buffalo Wing 15, honey. I have was admired really? admired many a buffalo wing. Actually, my first was SS Elmo for Sesame Street Elmo. 2000. Oh, you loved Elmo so much, yeah, Johnny. What a sweet, tender part of your grade. youth. I, that was too old for Elmo. When I met you, you still loved Elmo. And you were okay. 14. All right. Well, okay. <laughs> a couple things about the commercial. So something you should know if you haven't ever been an actor, if you haven't ever been subjected to this sort of humiliation, right, right, right. a SAG commercial, I used to work at an acting agency as like my side job. A SAG commercial can pay your bills for over a year if you get the right one and you get the right part. So that's yeah. like no joke money. And the other thing I wanted to comment on is like, the change in your goals. So, okay. When you moved here, what were your expectations of what Los Angeles would be like and what you would like get out of it? Like how long did you think it would take you to quote unquote, make it? I remember thinking like, as long as it doesn't take me a year to book my first thing, I'll be happy. Oh, you are much more realistic than me. Oh, <laughs> I don't think so. Because let me tell you something. Then a year went by and I was like, oh, I don't even have a fucking agent. Yeah, but agents aren't all they're cracked up to be. Girl. <laughs> I had two true. agents in my first year and they didn't do shit. Um, I actually really like my One agent. left town without telling me. Really? Did you never hear the story of my first agent? Is that, can we say her name? You don't know her name. Okay. It's not the blank agency, right? No, her name was Diane. Was it just for the first year or longer? Oh, less, less, months. It was months. So I was very lucky to book a role out of a casting director workshop. That casting director took to me, sent me out to some agents he knew. I got to go meet with this woman, Diane, and <laughs> it was a fine meeting. She said, you know, we're going to just like, you know, work together. We will put you on Actors Access and LA Casting underneath my name, but we won't sign unless you actually get something but once you do, we'll sign. Great. I wait around for months. I don't hear anything from her. Oh, by the way, prior to this first meeting that we had, she canceled a meeting with me. And this was the quote, because her goat broke a water line on her property. Okay. Time I, to run. <laughs> right. Yet I didn't. I was so desperate to have somebody right. who believed in me and who could get me a role that I was like, yeah, no problem. Like, hope the goat thing works out. Let's make another meeting once the goat is taken care of. Right. I came back. That's when I had the conversation I referenced earlier. We worked together. I find out I'm taking this acting class in Burbank and there's this nice guy who's from the Netherlands. We find out we have the same agent, Diane. A couple months after hearing nothing from Diane, I hear from this guy in acting class. He sees me and he goes, hey, crazy about Diane, right? And I go, yeah, what? He goes, 
oh yeah, she's leaving the business and leaving town. So she left town without bothering to tell me, without an email, without a call. Also, like, so that was my first agent work from somewhere other than LA. That's what I'll never understand. I know they have to go to like showcases and stuff, but like now it's all the online. Truth- Almost anyone can work from anywhere. And, you know, I do think that that's actually one of the good things that's going to come out of this tragic moment in our history is that people are going to see that the stringent restrictions that they've put on the workplace are not Mm. necessary, that work can Mm -hmm. be much more flexible and fluid than it has been in the past, and that we can give more grace to people who have kids or people who need to work from home some of the time just for their own mental health. These, like small boxes we've made people live and work within don't matter or even work. And so Mm, I think mm -hmm. that is one of the good things. So yeah, she could have totally been an agent from wherever she was going, which I'll never know because she didn't tell me she was leaving. (laughs) That's insane. Have you ever spoken to her since? No. (laughs) Great. Gorgeous. Love that. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Gorgeous. Yeah, I got a new agent like two months later. She was very sweet and she actually really did believe in me, but she just wasn't able to get me a lot of auditions. For whatever reason, the acting thing, I do think I'm still going to act at some point. And I I actually am I'm in a feature film that's going to be coming out sometime this year, most likely. But hey, don't need to rub it in my face. Well, it was made by my friend. So but I do think that I'll act. And now you're telling me you have friends. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I do. <laughs> so, but I do think when I act, it's just going to be from different long ways around. I don't right. think that for whatever reason, honestly, acting broke me as a person. I mean, mm. I was that that is the worst heartbreak I've ever been through as a human being. All the guys that I've dated haven't even come up to like a 20th of the way acting broke my heart. I mean, it broke me, and I think the only way I could not be broken by it was is to come to it on my own terms. So, yeah, I'm grateful it happened as it did because I don't think I could have just wait, kept waiting around for other people to tell me I was good enough to do the thing I wanted to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't do that because I can't either. I, I think I do it mm-hmm. a little differently, but yeah. Yeah, I think you're more like level-headed about it and realize – I think if I was approaching it now, I'd c- approach it completely differently than I did as a 22, 23-year-old. But back then, I didn't have the wherewithal to realize it wasn't about me. It felt like it was completely about me, and I took everything personally. I do – I will say there has been a switch in my life where I no longer 
feel hurt when an audition doesn't go well. It's just so arbitrary. How could you feel hurt by it? If you're actually thinking about it logically, how could you feel hurt by it? Because it's so arbitrary. I mean, your, your talent is such a small percentage of what goes into whether or not you get a role. So yeah, yeah, but but it doesn't help when you're getting rejection after rejection after rejection. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And also I think people want to think I, I, I defy, you know, the norm, right? Like I defy. I'm special. Yeah. And not even just that, but like, well, you know, think of your favorite actor. Okay. So maybe they didn't get every audition they booked, but you know, they got a lot. Sorry. They didn't book every audition they got, but like they got a lot, you know, like, like, and then you compare yourself to like people who are doing well. Yeah. So I I actually do understand why you take it personally, but I understand it. It's just like, if you're actually zooming out and seeing the full picture, it's not completely logical Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. knowing how many factors go into it, but oh my God, do I ever understand it? I mean, we've both lived it, so we get it. But I mean, and and that even makes me think back to college, you know, when you're like all vying for the same parts. And I want to talk about some of the funny things about college theater programs that most people outside of that world don't really know about. So one thing for me was for movement class, actually, which, okay, by the way, you take classes called movement. I don't know. Johnny and I probably had pretty different experiences because we went to different colleges. But in our class, we wore something called the neutral mask and we like needed to make a character off of that. And then we wore masks that had like actual facial expressions and made characters off of that. And then in our movement class, we went to the zoo and studied different animals and made characters based off of the characteristics and mannerisms of those animals. And I studied the red ruffed lemur and I played a person who was completely mentally unhinged and would lose her shit when a little annoyance in her day would happen because mm. the red ruffed lemur makes this weird noise. It goes, I'm backing up for the mic so I don't break your ears, but it goes ah, 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 out of nowhere. And so we incorporated that into the character. And that I thought was one of the really cool parts of acting school totally bizarre like who takes a field trip to the zoo in college but we did (laughs) what zoo is there a lansing zoo yeah the potter park zoo Hmm. there was a i mean and now i'm thinking of it because we've been a lot of us in america have been watching that show on netflix tiger king Hmm. there was this really sad lion there who was all by himself and i think about that lion all the time Mm -hmm. The poor lion. I don't think that he was meant to be. And he had, because the Potter Park Zoo was open even in the winter and it was cold and the lion was so skinny and he was just like down in this little random enclosure. And I I feel like I sometimes I have like these fantasies of going back and breaking that lion out, mm-hmm. but I don't know where I'd mm-hmm. bring the lion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, honey. Honey, she better break free. Should we talk a little bit about my my college experience? Duh. Tell so, Johnny. Tell me something from your college experience that you did that people might not know about if they weren't in theater school. So one day in our movement, or no, sorry, it was our voice class freshman year. We had to pretend to be babies, and like this <laughs> went on for like thirty minutes. We were just crawling around on the floor being babies, and the idea was like no words. Only guttural sounds and 
you know, just like explore what it feels like to be on the floor and communicate with people who aren't speaking to you, who are just staring into your soul and, you know, touching you and feeling it, you know, it was really fucking weird. And there was this one girl in our class, um, one of my good friends who was like drooling. I mean, drooling like saliva just on the ground. She was really taking this seriously. And I just have this image of her, of Ellie drooling. I mean, it was every it time you see her. No, but I think about it a lot. <laughs> yeah. You know, the funny thing is though, with our with theater, there are two parts of it. There are things that were just so valuable on a human level that I think that's the reason I think everybody should take an acting class if they could, because it just, if you actually commit to it, it does. And you have a good teacher, it reveals a piece of your humanity that you might not otherwise ever get to meet. But the other thing is it makes like all the, cause I got two degrees. I got a, a BFA in acting and a BA in communication. When I was in my really hard acting class, which was auditioning, and this class was you had to audition for a grade. So every time you would go to class, you had to do a different kind of audition, and that's what you were getting graded on. And that class was, I mean, it was so beneficial, but it really took a lot out of me. And I remember going to my communication classes after having to bear my soul like that and be that vulnerable and just feeling so relieved. Mm. And I think the thing about acting is it's poo-pooed a lot or it's looked down upon, but if you're actually doing it right, it makes everything else in life look kind of easy because it's one of the most vulnerable things you can do. I Yeah, I have such mixed feelings about my time at school. In a lot of ways, I felt like being there was not hard, right? Like the work, the actual work was not hard. The The commitment was time consuming. So I felt like, I felt like I'm, I'm exploring my passion. So it didn't feel like work. And sometimes it even felt silly. Like if you're crawling on the floor being babies, I did not have that same experience, like going to like mm-hmm. my LSNA class, which is like our LSNA, liberal or uh, language. Uh, hang on. <laughs> it was Li- clearly something impactful. science and arts, <laughs> right? It was like the classes that were outside of the theater program. Though the, I, I did feel like those classes were harder. But you thought that the classes outside of theater. See, I think mm-hmm. I did. I had this teacher, Rob, who is just such an incredible teacher. He goes down as one of the most impactful people that I've ever experienced in my life. And he challenged every cell in my body. When I would have him as a teacher, it was different than any other teacher. When I would have to go to his class, it challenged every piece of who I was. And maybe that was specific to this teacher I had, Rob, because that's what made the other classes look easy. The level of excellence and vulnerability and honesty he demanded was something I had to dig real deep for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I felt, I mean, I felt like I had a lot of teachers who deeply inspired me, but one who really changed the game for me. Malcolm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And so tell, tell, tell people who Malcolm was. Malcolm is a clown. He studied clown at Lecoq, which lol is a funny And this name. is a real thing. This is a real thing. Clowning is a real thing. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. I didn't. And like we took our like our senior year, you sort of wait all of your time at college to be able to take clown class, you know? And it's like this big like thing at, at our school. And and he was just brilliant. We had him before senior year, but senior year clown was like a, a moment where it, it was a class that like made me recognize where where I fit in in the whole like acting landscape. Like I never quite felt right. I never quite quite felt like I was doing things right my entire time. And I saw a lot of people excel in ways I couldn't excel. And then I took clowning. And though I don't think like I was the best at clowning class, I wasn't. I felt like, oh, okay, though I'm though I'm working on this and not great at this, this speaks to me in a way that that these other classes I've taken up till this point did did not speak to me. <laughs> mm. And so like a lot of the work I do, like my, you know, my show that I I, I wrote and and acted in, that to me is like that is a product of of Malcolm and and of that class I took. It, it's 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 okay to be zany and it's okay to be like to create art that that takes the shape of like different worlds and like th- th- there's no answer. It doesn't. Not all acting has to be uh what what did what do we learn verisimilitude like uh it doesn't have to be like hyper realistic kitchen sink acting you know mm-hmm. and th- it can not- be over the top in other words so like there's a push in a lot of acting schools to make it as real and like basically like camera work as possible and and make it super super grounded but there's just as much merit in being over the top and if you can make that over the top truthful that's real work but but what i learned from him actually is not it's not that that clowning is is untrue right it's not untrue it's very true it's very real it just it just tells its truth like in a totally different way i probably sound like such a like art school snob right now no it's the same thing that to bring it to the office, which you know I love to do, it's the same thing that Steve Carell says about comedy. You should never know you're in a comedy. It's real to the character. Mm, and mm-hmm, I think that's mm-hmm. what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm, mm. I mean, yeah, even if, it, if to the outside world what you're doing presents is over the top, to that character, it's real. And I think that's beautiful. And I, And there's something else I took out of what you just said, and that's something I've talked about on the podcast is tracing the lines of your creativity. But... I encourage you listening to go through some of the most influential teachers of your life or people in your life who have directly impacted what you're doing now and kind of tracing through them and seeing how that affected you and certain events in your life affected you and how it's manifested into what you're doing now. Yeah. And, you know, there's this cool exercise. Have you ever done the artist's way, Johnny? No. Okay, it's super powerful. I recommend anyone to do it. Actually, I never made it past chapter three, so maybe I will finish it during this period of time. Yeah, that would be a good time, wouldn't it? It really would be. But there's one part that I think happens maybe in chapter two or chapter three and where they have you go through and write a letter to the editor um, to a creative monster that you had. So somebody who held you back from your creativity. And then 
they have you write a letter of gratitude to somebody who encouraged, uplifted, and really saw your potential as a creative and brought it to light. And so I did that. I never sent it to the person because I didn't know where she was or where she lived, but it was a really powerful exercise. So I do encourage you, you know, we've talked about someone who was a creative monster in my life, that choir teacher who I ended up writing a letter to the editor about. And then, you know, Rob, for me, my one of my acting teachers, who was an absolute creative savior for me. And so maybe write letters to both of those people in your life, your creative monster and your creative savior, and tell them why they were wrong for the monster and why they helped you for the savior. Mm. Um, because it's really beautiful to hear about how Malcolm did that for you, Johnny. And I think it just helps you make sense of where you're at in life when yeah. you you know that is your kind of foundation. Yeah, that's sweet. I I, I kind of want to talk to Malcolm right now and be like, you know, be like, hey, you probably don't even think about me. I mean, I know we 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 keep in touch, right? But like, you probably don't think about me that much. Do you think about him a lot? Is it more that's just something that's ingrained in your everyday life that he affected you so profoundly that yeah, he no, can't I, even? I think that's exactly it. I don't think yeah. about him. I don't think about clown class all the time. I think about it sometimes. I don't think about it all the time. And it's just embedded in me now, you know, mm -hmm. like it's part of my creative like outlook. And I know this, I really like, I, I, I hear myself, right? Like I hear, I am this annoying like theater student and, and it is annoying and I get that. But, hey, it's okay. But there's nothing else. Um, but that's what you are. And what's wrong with that? We're all our little annoying selves in our own way and, and ingrained in our own problems in our own life. As long as you own it and you try your best to be an empathetic person and see where other people are coming through and see other people's point of views, that's all you can ask. Mm. But I just, I mean, when you were talking about that, it just made me think of something. And then, you know, sadly we have to wrap. But I remember at the end of my college career, I wrote a letter to Rob, that really influential teacher of mine. And I said to him, you know, what I realized most about my life and who I am is that I love people. And right now, acting is the best way I can think of to honor my love of people. And I know that's going to shift at some point in my life. But I want to thank you for, and I didn't use this exact terminology, but like for being the shepherd for that for me right mm. now. And I think that goes back to the, the point of like your purpose might take many different forms throughout your life. But if you know your primary purpose, if you know your thesis statement of life, then you can always find a creative outlet to make that purpose come to light. Yeah. And I think you're doing that right now too. Yeah, I'm trying. Man, I'm trying. And I'm you're also succeeding. making dick cakes. You know what I mean? Like, it's a balance. But honey, that's part of your purpose. <laughs> so. Love a good dick cake. You're also making brain cakes. You made a toilet paper cake. You made a Corona beer cake. Girl, Follow I got him one coming tonight. The Johnny Cakes. What what is it? Can you give us a little preview? I mean, this it'll probably it's be an old-fashioned TV series. set. Oh, that's cool. Why I'll did you choose to do that? Oh, because I wanted to. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, sorry, I know that's a shitty answer, but like I just No, that's the best answer. All right, cool. You should only ever do anything in life because you want to, because if not, you will become resentful. Hey, you should tell my landlord that. <laughs> well, certain things you have to do because it's 
just what you have to do. But I'm saying like choices you can actually make, like when you actually have a choice in life, you should only do it if you want to do it. Yeah, I actually agree. My Aunt Beth used to say this thing, which I thought was really great. Um, This is, by the way, a woman who suffered from stage four cancer for eight years, you know, so like I was the best human in the world. Yeah, she when people said things like not that people say this all the time, but when people said things like my hands are tied, she would say, well, untie them. Which I think is a really like interesting thing, right? Like, by the way, to be very clear, this is not a pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I actually think it's. Oh, no, I, I think that's not when you have a choice. I'm saying when you have a choice, like, let's say a lot of times people will do nice things for each other, but then resent the other person they did the nice thing for. I think you should never do something nice unless you genuinely want to do it because that other person that you're doing the nice thing for didn't ask for resentment because resentment is something you put onto them. So if you're doing something nice, do it because you want to, not for the other person because otherwise you're giving them something that they never asked for. Better for you to feel guilty than for them to have to deal with your resentment. Amen, sis. No, I just think her idea there is like what what she's saying is your hands are not tied, right? Like there are there are things that there are things that we can't control and there's a lot of like unfairness in this world. But your hands aren't tied, right? Like you can change the the circumstances. Always. Unless I, you I can. think so. I, I think so. I think that's I think it gets complicated because I don't I, I you hate, can't speak in absolutes. Plus, people don't say my my hands are tied when it comes to things like, "Hey, I don't." I'm make trying to make money. my rent. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. No, they don't say my hands people are say, tied. They say I'm say fucking my, dying. Yeah. Or people say my hands are tied when they don't want to do something. Mm-hmm. It's rarely when they can't. Johnny, we got to wrap this baby up. But tell no. me where we can find you. <laughs> oh no! Sorry. Oh. Um, you can find me me, I don't know I guess you can find me at the Johnny Cakes on Instagram and Johnny spelled J-O-N-N-Y yeah no H H is for the horses and then at Johnny Mangs J-O-N-N-Y I'm all over the place He's all over the place. And you can find me at Lauren LaGrasso at Unleash Your Inner Creative. Thank you, Liz Full, for the show's theme music. Thank what do you, you mean? for I listening. Sang the theme music. Thank you for singing it. It was really beautiful when you sang it, Johnny. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate you greatly. I love you. I hope you're staying safe and healthy. Thank you for listening. Remember to rate, subscribe, review, take a screenshot of yourself listening, post it to your Instagram stories. I will repost it to show my gratitude. Tag Johnny too. You never know. He might post it too, repost it himself. And I really do encourage you to take some time to trace the lines of your creativity, to look at the teachers, the people who've been influential to you, and to maybe write them a thank you note. Maybe you send it, maybe you don't, but do it. And it, it might be a nice way to spend some of your time. I will talk to you next week. I believe in you.